Where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection. They all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. In this episode, Tom and Ronnie discuss a recent article published by Ronnie entitled Laughing Your Way to a Speak Up, Listen Up Culture and the Need for Psychological Safety in Every Best Practices Compliance Program. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Ronnie Feldman for another episode of Creativity and Compliance. Today, we're going to take up an article that Ronnie recently published entitled Laughing Your Way to a Speak Up, Listen Up Culture, Psychological Safety through Improv and Entertainment. Uh, we'll link to this in the show notes. Ronnie, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, uh, welcome. Well, thanks. Well, it's a, it was a long-winded introduction because it was a long-winded title. Well, Ronnie, what, what led you to see the intersection of improv, listen up, and psychological safety? And more importantly, what led you to write this article? The people who follow this this podcast, uh, are, we're all in the same community. And the term psychological safety has been bumping around for the last couple of years. And it's, I think I, I originally saw Amy Edmondson speak um, and she'd written a book on psychological safety. I saw her at ECI. I want to say it was like it was pre-pandemic, but it really struck me um, her talk. Her talk about how to influence culture, how to get leaders to constantly reinforce the idea that you need to bring bad news forward, that you need to not punish mistakes. That you know, how do you how do you um, how do you get people to bring bad news forward when everybody's instincts are not to do that. I just found that fascinating. And it really has an interesting intersection to the kind of work that I've been doing with learnings and entertainments and that, you know, I, I make comedic corporate training and, and communication content, but really I, the reason we do it is to try and help ethics compliance professionals influence the culture. So th- I, I saw a natural collect connection right away. And as I've continued to learn more about, facets of what 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 a psychological safety is about in the workplace the more i keep seeing these commonalities um so i i you know as i've been ruminating on it i just started to write about it um but let's just start this way that that made seem like such a weird juxtaposition but when i was coming up through the chicago improv community one of the things that really struck me was when you're you're i'm you're so nervous you go into an improv class and i'm so nervous about like Oh my God, I'm with these strangers and you're going to make things up off the top of your head. And how crazy is that? And you're, and what if I'm not funny? And what if they don't laugh? And there's all these insecurities in your head. And, and what I came quickly to learn is that improvisational training is really about creating an ensemble where everybody feels safe and comfortable. And when you do that, your creativity comes out because you're, you're, uh, you feel protected by the group. Um, Amy Poehler of uh, Saturday Night Live fame, and um, she was an old Second City alum, and she says uh, it's easier to be brave when you're not alone. And she was talking about improvisation. Um, so when you're on stage trying to make things up on the spot, if you feel like you are supported, it allows you to then to tap into whatever creative instinct that you have and say it, knowing full well that the people around you, your ensemble mates, your castmates will support those efforts. So uh, everything about my training is is in improvisation has been about we've got your back, trust and support your partners, and that allows creativity to flourish. Now, 
Psychological Savvy, Amy Edmondson's book, and uh, the other one is by Timothy Clark that I'm familiar with called The Four Stages of, of uh, Psychological Safety. They talk about psychological safety as being defined as a belief that you won't be punished for speaking up with ideas, questions, concerns, or mistakes. What I just rambled on about on the improv thing, that's a natural connection to creativity innovation. Amy Edmondson talks about this is how you create innovative companies because people will bring um, leaders need to constantly remind you to bring your bad bring bad news and problems forward so that you can solve them. And that's how you create the muscle of solving problems quickly versus burying them. And you can see the obvious connections to speak up culture because people don't want to bring bad news up to their boss. You don't want to be seen as those people. So leaders have to constantly remind employees to bring those to bring them bad news, to speak up when you see problems, because the default behavior is not to do that. Okay, so that that was a long preamble. I, I, I did come up with, you know, uh, as you do when you write articles or speak about things, I did come up with four lessons on it. But let me just pause and get your reactions to what I just said. Is any any questions pop up or anything that I didn't um, say well in your opinion? I would remind you that you saw Amy Eds- Edmondson at the ECI conference where I went up to you and told you we were going to start a podcast together. Not you were going to do a podcast. We were, we were going to do a podcast. So uh, that was the ECI event. So I certainly remember that. But uh, the the thing that uh, really uh, struck me about sort of your preamble in both your remarks and in the article, Ronnie, was that, uh, and, and I'll focus on Amy Ed- Edmondson because I also saw that same talk. Hers was very analytical. And she really had data which backed up uh her theories going forward. And and that was an approach that I really had not seen around psychology and psychology in the workplace. So this is something that is really backed up by empirical data and that Amy sliced it and diced it in a a myriad of ways. I had the opportunity to interview her for a podcast uh, on this topic. So uh, the, uh, but how do you translate that uh, empirical data into actual uh, takeaways or steps for the compliance professional. And, and that's really uh, what struck me is, is the meat of the article where you laid out your four lessons. So could you maybe uh, go through the four and, and we can discuss those a little bit? Yeah, sure. Well, and thanks for reminding me. That was such an impactful conference on me. I learned a whole new way of thinking about things and I got to meet you who forced me to do this podcast and I'm quite great. Okay. Yeah. So you bring up a really good point. Um, it, it, one of the things that drives me crazy about a conference, sometimes conferences in general is that we talk theoretical and then you never get down to like, what are the practical things that I'm going to do differently? And I talk a lot about, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the products and services that I create with, with learnings and entertainments is about trying to shift corporate culture. And that's sort of so, uh, overwhelming, you know, you, how do you boil the ocean? So I, uh, I try and break it down into actionable steps um, because I do think that the number one thing that an ethics compliance and corporate risk professional can do is to focus on culture and influence. And really that's what we're talking about. Um, how can you, as an individual influence people, how you can get others to carry the message forward? How can you make it easy for people to, people to do the right thing? Because there are very few of you and there are, uh, lots more of them than being leaders and employees. <laughs> Pulling from the improv and entertainment community, um, the first thing I think 
is to focus on leadership. You've heard me talk on this podcast before about how uh, the the environment affects behavior, and there's two main influences of that from the behavioral science perspective. There's the social environment, which we'll talk about in a minute, and then there's the leadership environment. The Stanley Milgram experiment is the most common one about how people will sort of kowtow to authority even when it goes against their instincts of right or wrong. I mean, so leadership has this huge influence. What we can do uh, is uh, work on uh, providing skills to leaders on how to be more receptive when people bring them bad news. So part of that is soft skills. Um, we would handle that through improvisation, uh, improv- improvisational skills, not how to be funny, but how to use the skills of an improviser um, are things like how to listen actively. That seems obvious, but listening skill, listening is a muscle and most people tend to pre-prepare what they're going to say and they're, they stop listening and they prepare what they're, their answer well before the person has stopped talking and that um, you miss a lot of really critical information there. And uh, also, you know, your eyes dart away and it starts to lessen trust because when people feel you're like not listening fully, it undermines trust. Um, Also listening without judgment is a really difficult thing. Um, We would say in the improv community, you can actually practice postponing judgment is the way we like to say it. So uh, uh, there's little tr- communication skills tricks that you can use on uh, saying a silent thank thank you before uh, you respond. So you're being you're listening all the way to the end, being grateful for what's being told to you, whether you agree with it or not, um, and then using our yes and technique to then validate what you hear and add something to it. These are all techniques so that you are listening fully and adding information. Um, whether you agree with it or not, postponing your judgment of those things and then working with that person to solve problems together. Um, the way uh, another interesting way to think about it is, you know, separating the what from the how, which is you can like an actor can say a line a whole bunch of different ways um, and change the meaning of it by how they change the tone and in their inflection. So translating that to this world there's a difference between having a difficult conversation and a conversation about a difficult thing. So to wrap this up, I think there's some companies can really focus on leadership training. You don't necessarily have to use improvisation to do it, but I think there's a real uh, a tangible way to focus on soft skills, communication skills, listening skills, um, managing difficult conversation skills, and pairing that with tools and resources so that leaders know when this happens, you have health and support too. Here's the resources. Here's the ethics office. Here's how we prefer that you handle that. You can, um, you know, basically, a, you know, little little sheets of information so they readily know that um, a they are encouraging people to come to them. B they know what to do uh, when people do come to them. They're thoughtful and empathetic of the problem and not undermining it. And three, they know the, the resources and tools available to help guide and coach. The thing that struck me about your remarks, and once again, in the article, is that it's really not, oh, go take a class in it and go forth and prosper or go forth and conquer. It, it's, and you said it, it's a muscle, and that muscle needs to be built up through practice, and that 
certainly these are skills that you can be trained on, but it's equally important that you practice these skills. And that's what you did and still do really in the improv community. You, you practice your skills and that these are, are things that the compliance community and, and more importantly, business leaders can not only learn, but if they practice it and build up their muscles around uh, listening that they would uh, be able to better uh, execute on this. Would that also be a fair assessment? Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know, and there's a lot of ways to get there. I mean, I happen to come from this community, so I, t- I tend to talk about improvisation, comedy, entertainment, music, those kinds of things. Um, but I, to me, the improvisational, uh, uh, what I would call applied improvisational workshops uh, were so profoundly uh, impacting on me and my, and my life. And, uh, and, we have started to translate that to this community about how can we provide skills and tools and resources to leadership, which is really no different than soft skills training, but we do with this backdoor listen up message so that, um, cause sometimes, you know, if you're like, Hey, leaders come to this ethics training, they, this is another problem. They might roll their eyes about that. But if you say, come to this fun, uh, communication skills workshop, and we're going to work on your skills as a leader, but you're really framing it up as a way to, make sure that um, you're not so scary, uh, right? So the people can bring you uh, ideas for solutions. They can, you know, to make sure you could also reinforce the message about challenging business decisions and that's okay and encouraged as well as about like, hey, when bad behavior comes up, we talk about it. Um, you know, they always say like, you can have an open door policy, but it doesn't mean anything if people are afraid to go through it, Right. So this is all about uh, finding ways to provide tools to those leaders so that they are um, it's the classic listen up culture. So that so because there's nothing worse than people actually speaking up and they get shut down and that does more damage than if they never spoke up. As a segue, um, the the second step, um, if let's focus on the speak up part of it again, and that is uh, uh, advertise your help and support as often as possible as interesting and entertaining as you possibly can. Um, you People who follow this podcast might have heard me talk about this before, but speaking up is not a natural thing that people want to do. We are socially evolved to sort of not do that. We don't want to bring bad news. We don't want to, um, you know, we don't want to be the tattletale. There's all that, that sort of baggage that comes with it. And the only way to counterbalance that is to say over and over and over again, this is something that we do to make the workplace better. It's our responsibility to do it. And there are easy and safe ways to do that. A lot of companies do this, but uh, there's a another ECI study that say they do it once a year, if that. And it's usually done with like, you know, posters and note cards. And this is a one where I would say creativity is not optional here. It's essential because if you want to say a message over and over and over and over again, you need to vary the, the you need to keep the consistency of the of the message, but vary the delivery mechanism so that you can constantly refresh the way that it's heard and people will pay attention to it. And then you get the added bonus of um, being able to show up in more places. If you have something that's short and interesting, you can put that in more places. Um, it has the ability of branding ethics and compliance and speaking up as positive and helpful. And it has the increased visibility of being able to push it out more frequently and show up like, you know, on newsletters, on social collaboration channels, on the intranet site, in Zoom meetings and trainings. Um, 
you can put it in more places if it's fun and interesting. I had a, a catchy thing that I forgot to say. It's like uh, it's about improving approachability and visibility. You know, your the branding is the approachability. Hey, we are we are the helpful advisors and coaches. Please come talk to us. We're here. We've got your back. And here's the uh, the the speak up reporting channels, which are safe. And if you choose confidential, and then visibility, putting that in as many places as possible. So I guess Ronnie, the uh, the thing, and you and you actually put it into the title of this section or this lesson is one of the clear themes that this podcast has had over its tenure, but also the one of the themes since I've known you in the compliance community talk about, which is uh, training communications has to be entertaining. And that if it's not entertaining, nobody's going to listen except, of course, we lawyers, uh, because, you know, that's what we do. And uh, whether it's a 275-page PowerPoint presentation or whether it's a a three-minute video, it has to be entertaining. And that uh, this goes as far into communicating to people about psychological safety and that not only you can and should speak up, but we are here to to listen up. So uh, once again, you um, follow a clear theme that you've really brought to the compliance community which is communications need to be entertaining. That doesn't necessarily mean it has to be funny. Um, everything does not have to be comedy, although maybe you disagree with that. But uh, <laughs> uh, it certainly has to be entertaining. And that that's really one of the, the mantras that I've heard you talk about over the time I've known you. A one-trick pony, I suppose. I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, but I, I, I do think it's it's critically important. And the more that my thinking has evolved on the space, the more I get emboldened to talk about it more authoritatively. And I and I because I believe it in my core. It's just that it, it's uh, you've you've heard me talk about the John Cleese quote that I love so much, which is the main evolutionary significance of humor is it gets people from the closed mode to the open mode quicker than anything else. You could also say it the opposite way, which is that if you bore them and waste their time, they will never come to you for help. <laughs> and so I think it can do damage. I can do it can, the, that reputational damage is hard to, to recover from because then if they have, even if they know the right thing to do, they tend to not seek out that help and support. Um, number three, uh, this one is uh, another one that's evolved for me talking about telling real stories and I think it's important to do that to build transparency and trust. So we've talked about giving skills to leaders. We've talked about advertising speak up culture so that people don't revert to the default of, of doing nothing. And now what we need to do is uh, show real examples of what happens. And there's lots of entertaining ways to do that. But let's talk about why first uh, you share real examples, one, to show different risk areas that are in play, different teachable moments that are in play, right? So to share examples. So it's not just like when bad things happen, well, what are those bad things? Let's, let's provide examples. Um, it all, uh, it also gives you the ability to then unpack the mechanics of what happens in the speak up process. That's the transparency part. So if you're telling a story about, uh, a person real or fiction at your company or otherwise, uh, that did something not so smart or not so wise, uh, whether it was intentional or not, you can say, well, here's what happened. They uh, did or did not use this resource. Uh, and then there was an investigation and the investigation goes like this. 
Um, so you get to start unpacking the mechanics of it uh, so that people know, oh, if I were to do that, I could report in these ways. And then the, the channels go through these steps and these are the ways it protects me. And, you know, different companies have different rules about it. They may not may not know may or may not know what ha uh, specifically what happens. But then there are reports that follow up um, that every report is followed up and investigated. And and then at some point share consequences of what happened. Um, so I'm not sure I said that really well. Let me just say that again in a couple simpler steps. So stories and examples and consequences you want to, you know, unpack different stories, which helps bring these situations to life. You want to use that to share the consequences of what happens. So people know when they do bad things, there will be consequences. And it, that doesn't mean you have to scare them. It just means that they have to know that, you know, when, when people do bad things, they get busted and there are consequences. And three, you have to share the mechanics of that so that people can kind of see and get familiar with it and get comfortable with the process. The fun ways that I've seen to do that, um, you know, there's obviously the case studies. Most case studies I see are really boring, but I've seen a lot of companies do really interesting ones where, you know, there's compliance chronicles. We've created something called Tales from the Hotline. Like those are really popular, whether they're written, whether they're videos, whether they're podcasts, like different ways to kind of share the real stuff. People love that. Um, so those are the real popular ways of doing that. And the other way that I I find is really interesting is actually getting leadership on board to share their stories about integrity and what happened, whether it's at the company or at a previous company or at a personal level. So by doing those things, you're, you're sort of sh showing lots of different ways that um, integrity is really important and sharing examples as you go and getting other people to, to talk about those things is really important. So I guess the uh, the thing that really struck me, Ronnie, was that your emphasis on uh, using real stories. And I often tell people when I write a, or in a blog post, I'll tell them, if, if I told you this set of facts, you would look at me and say, you made that up. No one's that stupid. No one would act like that. No one would, would take a bag of cash across the border. Well, unfortunately, most of those things are true. And certainly there's plenty of tales, whether it's compliance failures, whether it's corruption, whether it's uh, stupid behavior that are out there that uh, content creators can can draw from. And, and frankly, I 100 percent agree with you when um, you tell people this is you know based on a, a true story, a true set of facts, their ears perk up. And what I hadn't fully appreciated that things are uh, funny because they're true. Um, but when things are true, I think it does have a, a greater, or it's based on a true set of facts. Uh, it, it does have a greater impact on a, uh, on a person and you can have greater impact uh, within your organization as well. Yeah. I mean, and we know intuitively that's just from watching television and film and, and podcasts, like, you know, what is it? Uh, the, uh, uh, uh the serial is the podcast they're all like true stories about murder, but there's no reason they couldn't be true stories about corruption, you know, or, um, and I will tell you like every time I, when I'm getting to know an organization I'm working with, I always ask them about what they're currently doing. And there are several that, that always do ripped from the headlines or real stories. Um, I would fight that fight. If you can get around your lawyers for telling the, you know, 
sort of sanitizing and changing the names to protect the innocent or the guilty and telling real stories is always the most popular thing. And if you can't do that, there's obviously ones you can take from the news or from other vendors. Um, and another interesting thing is even sharing stats about like, we've had this many cases of uh, reported in the hotline re resulting in a certain number of firing or disciplinary or like just sharing stats that so, because people want to, if you're going to build an organizational, uh, a trust in organizational justice, you need to share what's going down and not be afraid of that. Um, I also don't think you need to do it in a scary way. Uh, I know that sounds contradictory, but you can tell a really compelling story without, you know, talking about stupid people or bad people, because usually these are not the case. It's, well, maybe, maybe stupid, but we don't say that. We want to say, like, they just haven't thought it through or they thought the culture supported these decisions and, um, you know, and that's why we need to share these things so that future people can learn from it. Hey, the last one is a little bit of a compilation, but it's uh, I, it back to the, so the first step was giving tools to leaders, giving skills training to leaders to uh, speak up uh, advertising in entertaining ways so you can get the speak up message out. Uh, three was sharing these real stories and, and consequences for transparency and trust. And now we're talking about packaging some of that stuff up a let, together and giving entertaining, simple programming to leaders and getting them to carry the message forward. And this is, again, back to the idea that uh, there's a small compliance team and there's lots of employees and you will not be able to mitigate risk if it's just you, which is why the biggest thing I think uh, at this compliance team can do is to focus on culture and influencing others to help carry the message forward. So one of the ways to do that is um, to create I'd say simple and entertaining programming for and packaging up for a leader to deliver locally. Um, way uh, uh, so we talked about short, interesting commercials. You know, earlier, well, give a commercial to a leader and say, "Play this prior to your Zoom call." Um, so simple, super and simple, and they're more likely to do that if it's short and fun. If you have a story, a uh, case study, um, one of the things we talked about in the in step number three. Package that up with a facilitator guide with some discussion points. Give it to a leader and say, all right, sometime this month, play this five-minute video and have a 10-minute discussion around it or, you know, some version of that. Um, there's, a, you know, uh, uh, contests in games. You know, there's been uh, Ethics Jeopardy has been around longer than I can remember. Um, we've created, you know, custom games uh, where you, you can make quizzes about compliance, uh, you know, you're just sort of borrowing from all those typical game shows to kind of package up questions in a fun format so that people can play it. These are all the ways that you can kind of, as a, as an ethics and compliance office, make it fun and interesting and easy for leaders to then um, be the advocates for for ethics compliance. That's good for ethics ambassadors too, by the way, if you have an ethics ambassador or compliance champions program, um, those are uh, another resource to sort of get people embedded in the business to carry these things uh, forward. I, I think that's, that's crucial. Um, and, and I feel like that's a step that more, more evolved programs are getting to, and I can't recommend it enough. So I really like the way you laid out uh, the, there's no one size fits all and there's no single answer 
Here it is a way uh, you, you've gave, given us several, several different examples of communications, entertaining communications that the compliance function can utilize for uh, senior management or mid-level management, for managers, for compliance practitioners, or, you know, ambassadors to really uh, communicate the, the message of doing business ethically and in compliance. And, and here, I would just emphasize, Ronnie, we're only limited by our imaginations. And uh, one, uh, that means you can pull from current events, you can pull from history. Uh, obviously, we've talked about case studies and, and events that have happened in your organization, but one of the most powerful uh, compliance messages I saw uh, around this topic of, of creating psychological safety uh, and a speak up was the following. And it really wasn't perhaps even designed with that in mind, but the former CEO of the uh, energy company in Houston, Centerpoint Energy, after the Volkswagen scandal broke, he was so incensed uh, at this, he called a chief compliance officer and say, told her, I want to do a video on the Volkswagen scandal, how this is, uh, what happened at Volkswagen is antithetical to our culture, even though they were completely different industries, and that if anyone sees anything like that, they need to raise their hand and speak up. And she, of course, said, uh, yes, sir, when would you like to do this? And he said, in the next week. Uh, so it was a very focused effort. And when you have the CEO saying that, obviously, uh, things get done. But I mean, that's the kind of thing you can use to to further this message. And with all of the different strategies you've talked about, I would just encourage the compliance practitioners out there to to give you a call and and say, hey, how can we think about doing some of this and and really just help them, Ronnie, brainstorm about uh, the different uh, stories they can tell, the different uh, methods they can use to tell those stories and how probably tomorrow's newspaper would give them something that they could talk about in terms of uh, psychological safety and speak up. Yeah, well, th thanks. I appreciate that. Like, uh, you know, some of this stuff is just sort of a reframing of, of these ideas just to make it simple and easy to digest. I'm happy to, to, to brainstorm with anybody, whether it regards using our services or not, because I think that there's um, there's something really exciting about having in the ethics compliance space about really impacting and influence the entire culture, which I actually think we can do. Um, and there's lots of creative ways to do that. Some require bigger budgets than others, but ideas are free, right? So uh, I've talked to a lot of ethics compliance teams who've shared really interesting stories that didn't involve my company. And I pay that forward because there's just some really fun ideas out there. And I, I think that we're coming to the point of our industry that um, in our community that doing it the same old way, the long e-learning um, with the wag the finger and the boring and the, it, it's just, it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't work. Um, so we get the added benefit of doing something that flexes our creative muscles. This is actually a little fun to work on. And I, I think there's just a lot of interesting ways to do that. So anyway, I feel like it's an important one and I, and I hope people have enjoyed the listen and happy to help in any way that I can. Ronnie, this has been just a fascinating exploration of a topic that you've been talking about uh, for some period of time. And I'm glad you uh, wrote this article. Once again, we're going to link to it in uh, the show notes. So uh, with that, Ronnie, you want to uh, tell everyone goodbye? Goodbye, everybody. Have yourself a lovely day. 
Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.